Good morning, everyone. We, we sang today, you know, standing on the promises of God, and um, how real and true that we can make that become in our lives. I mean, as Christians, we should claim these promises that God has given us, and we'll be amazed at God's faithfulness as we claim these promises. And, uh, you know, my family and I, we went through a bit of a hard time in the last two, three weeks, and we can truly say our God has been faithful. And uh, learning to lean and learning to stand on His promises. So, so let's bow our heads in prayer before we open God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to quieten our hearts, prepare our hearts, and help us to listen to your word. We ask that you would teach us this morning. We ask that you would amaze us by your love and your grace. What a privilege it is to belong to you, and what a privilege it is to meet together as your people this morning. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we go through this morning service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as you know, we are going through a, a series on um, healthy communities, and there were talks on truth-telling, and justice-seeking, and peacemaking, and today it's on grace-giving. So, so Johnny put these talks together, and it means well. I mean, it's nice to remind ourselves as to what we have in Christ. And speaking of God's grace, there's so much in the Bible, isn't it? Setting the scene, I mean, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, just to describe the human condition, Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here comes the grace bit in the next verse. And I justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ. By Christ, a free gift to all those who would believe in His name. Friends, we as a community of believers have received this grace by accepting the atoning sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's easy to let that impact of it not be as strong as we mull along life. But it's a huge seismic shift from where we were and where we are now. This grace came at a heavy price for Christ. And it was free for you and I. So friends, how do we respond to Christ in response to what he has given us? This, this amazing grace. So this morning we are going to look at the first New Testament church. 
and how they responded to God's grace. We know that this wasn't the first church. I mean, churches have existed since Old Testament time. But this was the first New Testament church where the ministry of God the Holy Spirit was evident. So this was the first Spirit-filled church. And in Acts chapter 1, the Bible tells us there were 120 believers. So after the ascension, with the disciples put together and all the others, there were 120 people. They were together, and as promised, the Holy Spirit was bestowed on them and baptized. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they started speaking in tongues. People thought they were drunk. But there were communities of various races. And they were able to hear in their own languages as to what was happening. Multiple tongues. And in a dramatic way, the Holy Spirit was being showered on them. And Peter preaches the gospel about God's grace and salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people were added to that number. 3,000 people in one big hit. So if my maths was right, or is right, roughly there were 3,120 people at the end of that uh, sermon. Large church by, I guess, our current standards. And as you read that passage that was read to you, you can't mistake the fire in that group. Fire for the Lord in that group. And they were exploding with growth. People were getting added daily. And as I looked at that passage and as we look at this passage, there are many, many lessons that you and I can learn to be a more effective grace-giving community. There are many, many lessons there. And thankfully, you will also note that as we go through them, there are many things that we in this church do. We already do that. And praise God for that. But at the same time, we need to also let the Lord challenge us in areas that we don't do well. And we can do a lot better. The first thing that strikes me in this church, about that church or that community, is that it was a unified community. They were all in it together. They were unified in purpose they were unified in love. There were many strong relationships and absolutely critical relationships for love to exist in that community. They had a very strong relationship with God. And they have just experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this community had a lot of respect and a really good relationship with its leadership, the apostles. The second relationship that you see. Thirdly, 
They had a wonderful relationship with each other. They were meeting in church. They were meeting at homes. It was like one big family. And fourthly, they were also related to their community. Because people saw them and came to know the Lord. This was a church, a community, unified in love, on fire for the Lord. They were all in it together. If you look at that passage, verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe. All the believers, in verse 44, were there together, it says. They were all there. They were all rowing in the same direction. Everyone contributing. And there's something that you would obviously notice. There were no spectators. There were no spectators there. They were all contributing. They all had a part to play. And they all saw great things and experienced tremendous blessings. I'll tell you, this was an amazing community. This was an amazing grace-giving community. Let's look at verses 42 and 43. The passage says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The second characteristic, friends, of a grace-giving community and church is found here. They were devoted to sound Bible teaching. Here the passage says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted means gave themselves fully, without any reservation, and placing significant priority or significant emphasis on learning and being taught. The apostles taught them what they had seen and learned from the Lord Jesus Christ. These people had been to the best Bible school ever at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years. And they taught these people what they had learned and seen of the Lord. Wow, what a place to be, right? What a place to be. Wouldn't you and I have been absolutely blessed to be in that community? And importantly, in verse 43, what the apostles were saying was validated further by what they were doing. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracle signs were done by the apostles. Not just words, but they were seeing it in action. It's easy to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk, particularly among leadership, particularly those who teach, particularly those who preach. Their hunger to learn was being met. In an incredible way. Friends, a grace-giving church or a community is characterized by its sound Bible teaching. 
and it's a priority. And not only that, those who teach, not only teach by words, but by their actions. Demonstrating God's love and grace by their lives. The third thing that stands out in this church is found in verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had needs. So this community was a loving and generous community. They gave to those in need. And that action was motivated by love. Remember, it was voluntary. No one told them to. No one forced them to. The apostles weren't telling them to. It came out of love. It was voluntary. And it was generous. They gave their goods and possessions. They probably liquidated some of their possessions. And as a result, just, just flick over to Acts chapter 4, 34 and 35, talking about the same community. Let me find that section. It says, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I mean, this is a huge challenge, isn't it? Imagine going, selling up cars, houses, and bringing it all in. Friends, this is not a call among believers to poverty. This is not a call for some form of funny communal living. There are some cults who do that. These were people motivated by love, giving generously to meet the needs of the poor and needy. Friends, we too, as Christians, have been asked to be generous, particularly to those who are poor and needy. John Stott says in his writings that Christian caring is about Christian sharing. doesn't mean that we all go and sell up everything and put it all in a big box and say, here it is. It's all about recognizing the need, recognizing poverty among our community, and rising to meet that challenge. It's about giving and giving generously. Let's look at verses 42 and 46. The passage says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And verse 46 says, 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. So a grace-giving community, a grace-giving church is a worshipping church. And this is the fourth characteristic that we can find in this little passage about a grace-giving community. At the center of their worship was Christ. The communion table. The breaking of bread. They shared in the communion, remembering Christ. The reason why they were there together. Worship and Christ both together. And another integral part of their worship was prayer. And that's what the passage says. And friends, how important is corporate prayer in a Christ-loving community? We need to let this challenge us. Do we do this well? How important is corporate prayer? And how important is one's individual prayer or prayer life? I think that's a very good barometer of where your Christian life is going. If your prayer life is getting shorter and shorter, and if your spending time with the Bible is getting shorter and shorter, perhaps your Christian walk is in a bit of jeopardy there. The Bible tells us over and over again that God delights in prayer. And God delights to answer prayer. You know, one of those verses that used to really, you know, uh, stir me when I was a young fellow was found in Matthew 18 and 20. Where it says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, the Lord says, there am I in the midst of them. The omnipresent God being present among his praying people. Imagine this. I mean, as we pray, God is here in our midst. As you meet in small Bible groups and pray, God is there. God is omnipresent. He is there listening. Listening to your prayers. Listening to what you're saying. And how often did they worship? Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet and worship at the temple courts. So this looks like organized worship. There they were in church worshiping every day. It does not mean that every single person came every day to the church to worship. But there was organized activity in that church. And there was organized worship in that church. In addition to that, there were the informal bits they were doing. They were get, getting together in homes. And sharing a meal. And breaking of bread there, perhaps was sharing a meal. Perhaps they also you know, shared in communion at that time. 
And they ate together and had glad and sincere hearts. Formal gatherings, informal gatherings, a lovely mix. And that's how a church community should be. This is the formal part. And we need to do a whole lot of informal parts. A healthy mix of both. The structured and the traditional and the unstructured and the more spontaneous things that we do as grace-giving communities. Each complementing one another. And they were not mutually exclusive. You can still be organized and unorganized, if you get what I mean. You can still be structured and unstructured. You can have your plans and be spontaneous. So what was the attitude to worship? First and foremost, reverence. They were filled with awe. In awe of God. And in awe of the work that God was doing in the midst of them. And the Bible also tells us that their worship was glad and with sincere hearts. They were joyful. They were rejoicing. They were praising God. They have been baptized by God the Holy Spirit and one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. You can be reverent and also be joyful. Joyful reverence. Not reverence that is boring. Straight faced, very serious stuff. Not reverence that is dull, but reverence that is joyful and contagious. Reverence that is contagious to others that would see this. Friends, a grace-giving church, a grace-giving community is characterized by its wonderful worship. And finally, an unmistakable feature of a spirit-filled, grace-giving church, it's its evangelism. And we read about that in verse 44. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily people were being saved and added to this community. Their evangelism was a daily feature. It wasn't a sporadic activity or limited to sporadic activities. The, the sporadic planned evangelistic activities should be complementing a daily program of evangelism. And that is part of a grace-giving community. It's very good to have biannual or annual focused evangelistic activity. But that shouldn't be the only thing as far as evangelism is concerned in a church community. It should be a daily feature. Just as worship was a daily feature in this church, its evangelism was a daily feature too. 
John Stott again says that praise and proclamation are both the natural overflow of hearts full of the Holy Spirit. So this was an evangelistic community. And what did the Lord do? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They probably heard the gospel from the apostles. They probably heard the gospels from the other Christians in that community. But importantly, look at this, uh, friends. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. People around them saw that there was something different in this group. It wasn't just the spoken word. It was what they were seeing that was different in this group. People saw the gospel demonstrated in the lives of these people in this community. They enjoyed the favor of all the people around them. And this could not be missed. When they saw that community, they all knew that there was something different with this group of people. And they wanted to know what, what it was all about. And they came. And they were being saved. Witnessing by spoken words. And witnessing by the lives that were led. And the Lord added to their number. Yours and my job to tell. The Lord's job to convict and convert. And that's how it works. You and I go and tell at whatever opportunity we have, not just by spoken words, but by how we live. And the Lord will do the rest. We need to turn it over to the Lord and trust in Him. So friends, a grace-giving community is very easy to pick. It's unified. It's unified. It loves each other. Sound Bible teaching. It's a generous community. There's wonderful worship. And evangelism is an integral theme in that community. So as we close, let's, let's just let God's Word challenge us. Not only in our personal lives, but also as a group of Christians in this, in this really blessed church. And if you really look at us, God has been so gracious to this church. Not only has He been gracious in bringing us to a saving knowledge, but, but how He has blessed us as a community, giving us a wonderful, diverse group of uh, brothers and sisters who truly love each other. I mean, we see that demonstrated over and over again. Who are generous people. These buildings were paid off in record time. And there's a whole lot more that the Lord can do with us as we turn things over to Him and say, you lead and we will follow. Thank you.